Good morning, church. I want to echo what my wife was saying about uh, the ripple effect, right? Uh, that's life. Whether for positive or negative, that's, we all have a ripple effect. What you do, how you think, the way you come across, what you do in life, it has an effect on so many other people. It's not just you. You can affect change for the good or you can destroy by your actions, by your words, by even just the way that you and I think. And, 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 and I think on the eve of Thanksgiving, you know, we celebrate this this holiday annually once a year. But every day, every day, you and I need to be thankful. It's not even an option. The fact that you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, your your mind. We talk about this all the time. You can cognitively think your organs are operating properly. You can go to the bathroom and you don't have a catheter attached to you or you don't have a, 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 a fecal bag. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I had a homie back in the day. He was running around in Oakland, got shot in Oakland. And, then you know, if you get shot, you got food in your in your belly. You could die real quick. So this dude had a bag attached to him for a long time till he got healed. I'm just saying the reality is celebrate Jesus Christ every day for every miracle that he has provided in your life. Amen. You see, as, 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 as my children get older, I, I had just a, a great time yesterday of just being able to hang out with them. And I'm just admiring the fact that I'm like, man, I love you. <laughs> I love you and I get to see you and I get to see you blossom. And the reality of that is I was talking to Mark about this earlier before we prayed this morning. And it's like many times we think, the miracles are these grandiose things. Oh, man, it's so big and, 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 and I'm so blown away. But it's these it's these it, it, to the naked eye. What seems so minuscule and small. Those are many times the greatest blessings. But many times we miss it because we're not walking by faith. We're walking by sight. And, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, honey, I love you. Or, yeah, I got food on the table. Yeah, I got running water. Oh, yeah, I got a job. Oh, yeah, I got a car. We take so many things for granted that we don't realize how blessed we really are. Amen. Amen. You see, the Lord is always faithful at working things out on our behalf for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's always going to work it out. You know, talking to my son about this yesterday, I said, you know what? The reality is, or I think I was talking to Tears about it. Either way, I was talking to one of them. <laughs> and the whole, the whole thing was, she said, well, how come? Um, oh, we were talking about um, Joseph. We're doing, that was the Bible study last night. We we're doing the, the Bible study and, and Joseph, you know, his brother sold him into slavery and yada, yada. They were jealous of him. He got the coat of many colors. And, and she's like, well, why did, why, did, why did this bad thing happen to him if he didn't do nothing wrong? I said, sweetie, <laughs> it's because we live in a fallen world full of sin. I said, many times you're going to live your life. And as you live your life, there may be bad things that are going to happen to you. And it wasn't your fault and you didn't do anything to deserve it. I said, but the reality is if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, he is going to walk with you through every circumstance you're ever going to face. And that's the caveat. That's the thing that needs to keep us going is that, you know what? We're not going to paint this fake picture like it's a bed of roses. Like the Christian life is super hard. You see what you're, you're facing. against. I mean, I, I could only imagine being... 17 years old, growing up right now in the culture we live in, dealing with everything you're dealing with, it's like, man, it's super hard. <laughs> it's super hard to keep your purity. It's super hard to, you know, and especially when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're too old to be a child, 
but you're too young to be an adult. You're in that, you're in that funky stage. We've all gone through it where you're trying to figure out yourself and it's like your physiology's changing. You got hair everywhere. You didn't have it. And it's like, all right, well, am I talking deeper? But it's like, dude, you're not a man yet. Or, you know, you, uh, young ladies, they look a certain way, it's like, but you're not, you're not a woman yet. And, and it's challenging, but stick to the script. Stick to the scriptures, no matter what you see, no matter what they say, no matter the naysayers, no matter people talking smack, people not backing you. The Lord's going to bring people into your life that are going to support you. But the overarching theme is, you know, you're probably going to have many people where it's a negative influence. Don't allow the negative influence to cause you to go the other way, because if you stick to the scripture, you're always going to end up on top no matter what. If you go the other route. You may for a season feel like you're getting something out of it, but I guarantee you it's biblical. It's a it's an irrefutable spiritual law. You're going to suffer in the end if you denounce Christ to try to do your own thing. Trust me, many of us have been there, done that. I've been there and done that. And it's not a good thing. You see, realize today, church, realize today, saints, that you are hidden in Christ Jesus. That should I mean, that should that should keep you forever. The fact that you're hidden in Christ, your identity is hidden in Jesus Christ and no one or nothing in this world or in the spirit world can pluck you out of his hand. I mean, you're that secure. You're in him. You see, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the church. All right. This morning, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter five. We're going to wrap up this chapter uh, this morning. We'll be going through verses 18 down through 20. I've entitled this message occupied with his joy. So when you get there, if you could stand for the reading of God's word, once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 18 down through 20. Uh, the scripture should be on the screen behind me, um, unless you got it on your phone, or if you're old school and you actually have you know, a, a handheld Bible. It's a great sound to hear the pages turning. You know, um, Go ahead and, and, and turn to that, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 18 through 20. I'll go ahead And uh, read our text this morning, we'll pray, and then we'll get into the heart of our message. So it says in verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is a gift of God. Verse 20. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, we thank you for this, this timely reminder of what's truly important in life. Thank you that you uh, fulfill all of the desires of our hearts, Lord, that, that, that you actually change the desires of our hearts and you, you, you make our desires fall in line with you so that they can be holy, so that we can live a righteous life, so that we can be filled with the eternal enjoyment of knowing that we have unhindered fellowship with you. I pray uh, this morning as this word goes out, your word, that, that, it, that, it, would, that it would fall on fertile soil. Lord, as, 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 there's nothing ever wrong with the word. 
The word is pure. The word is true. The word is righteous. The word is just. The word is loving. And it's, it's, it's everything good because it is you. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for us. Would you turn off every single distraction? Lord, I pray against and I rebuke Satan and any demonic influence that would try to come in and thwart and hinder in the mind what is going to go forth. Satan always hates when the word goes out. And we get nothing but the word here because we're hearing from you. So I pray that you would help us to stay in tune with what's going on. I pray that you would empty us of ourselves, fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit, give us a fresh anointing to be able to have a supernatural uh, understanding and a supernatural discernment to rightly divide this word this morning and understand how it is pivotal that we apply it to our lives today. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross and died and was buried and resurrected and defeated sin, hell, death in the grave. It's in his precious name, Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, just a recap to kind of get us up to speed to where we're at. Last week, we looked at the emptiness of, of hoarding riches. You know, you got those that, that, that work super hard and, and, and they, have the, they have the desire to, to work hard and they strive, but they hoard riches. They hoard it. They, they hold on to it. They keep it. We learned that, that, that our behavior, again, whether bad or good, it affects others around us. And, and this hoarding is just a horrible thing. They hoard wealth and they don't even enjoy it. I mean, you're going to make money, make money. Enjoy it. <laughs> You know, there's no U-Haul attached to a hearse. You guys have heard that many times. We saw the importance of relationships last week, about loving God and people. That, that, that's what it is. You know, don't, don't, don't say, I, lo- I, love, I love my sweatshirt. No, nah, man, I like my sweatshirt. Don't say, I love my Mustang. <laughs> my 69 Mustang, I love my Mustang. No, nah, man, you can like it. You can say, I like it a whole lot. You see, but love is dedicated specifically uh, for, for, for God and for people, not money, not material things, not, not, not shoes, not cosmetics, not the stock exchange, not your house, you know, not your yacht. Anybody got a yacht in here? <laughs> you know, um, finally, we were reminded that an unrepented heart that continues to look to worldly wealth to fulfill them will ultimately live a life of spiritual darkness plagued by anger and experiencing no peace. And that's, that's a horrible way to live. That's a horrible way to live. You know, many people, uh, you know, envy somebody with much material goods. And they think, oh, if I only had that, I'd be happy. But nine times out of ten, unless these people that are wealthy are saved, they're going to come to a point where they're, they're, they're actually wretched, poor, blind, and naked. And even though they have all of this wealth surrounding them, they're actually broken inside and they're living in spiritual darkness and they have no peace and they're very angry and that's a sad way to live today i'm very excited because we get to see firsthand what is in store for those who are willing to submit their lives before the true and living god man you know that's the biggest hurdle i think for everyone to get over is to humble ourselves to let pride subside and, and, and agree with, with Father God, agree with his son, Jesus Christ, and say, you know what? I'm a wretched sinner, and, and, and I need redemption, and I need healing, and I need cleansing, and I need ongoing cleansing, and I need ongoing healing. I need ongoing filling of, of you and emptying of myself so that I can walk in newness of life. But if you get to that point where you can actually 
humble yourself. And, and obviously humbling ourselves is a gift from God. We can't humble ourselves outside of him. Apart from him, we can't humble anything. We're just going to be prideful. We're going to be kicking against the goads and we're going to be doing our thing, been, you know, digging our heels in. But for those of us who have decided that, that the life that we want to live is a life devoted, consecrated unto Christ, I'm very excited this morning because we get to see, like I said, uh, firsthand what's in store for us for those who love the true and living God. We get to see how we can receive the gift of God's presence in our lives daily so that Whatever you and I are doing, we can truly experience joy. Did you hear what I said, church? No matter what we are doing, we can experience true joy. Amen. The first main point is this. It is a good thing to be able to eat and drink and to find enjoyment in whatever work the Lord has blessed you with. You see... It's truly sad that some people don't enjoy eating and drinking. Now, I'm not talking, see, I don't want to get extreme. I'm not talking about being a glutton. <laughs> some people really enjoy eating and drinking to the point where it's like, bruh, you need to slow down. You need to kind of take a toll on what, what, what's really going on, man. You're just in overindulging. But then there's the other side of it where there's some people who they don't enjoy eating and drinking. You see, they are so busy in the rat race of life that they just scarf their food down. They scarf it down and they're off rushing to the next thing. They don't take time to enjoy their meal. And I get it. You know, sometimes we're busy. I mean, we live in the Bay Area. It's, it's a hustle out here. You know what I mean? You got people working two, three jobs, long hours. I get it. Time is tight. But you know what? God gave us taste buds for a reason. When you, who, who likes Honeycrisp apples? <laughs> Honeycrisp, those are my favorite apples. I can't do, I mean, grannies are cool. I mean, Washington, I don't know, man. It's just something about Washington. I'm like, you know, it's not, I'm not that fond of. But Honeycrisp apples, man, they're so crunchy. They're so sweet. They're so juicy. They got a little tartness to them. And it's like every time I bite into that apple, I, I typically eat an apple a day. I don't know about keeping the doctor away, but I eat an apple a day. And nonetheless, I enjoy every bite. Oh, my Lord, thank you. This is so good. This is so good. And we cannot let ourselves become those that were so busy, you know, we cannot become those that are so busy. We need to enjoy what God has given us, the gift of being able to enjoy a drink and a meal. But the reality remains, I'm speaking of people that are busy, right? The, real, the reality remains this. We make time for what's important. So when people say, oh, I, I didn't have time. Come on now. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit get in there and do a little check. Because the reality is for your life and for my life, no matter what you and I say, we make time for what's important. If you, I mean, didn't, homie didn't want to miss the Niner game. Okay, Niner game was super important. Oh, I didn't want to miss the in, the in-tournament game against whatever. I don't know who played last night. I don't know. You know, Sacramento and L.A., whoever played. I mean, that must have been important. You know, those games are, are long, man. Two and a half hours, NFL game, three and a half hours, commercials, halftime. That's a long, that's a big block of time, you know, to be staring in front of the TV. So we make time for what's important, church. 
And I get it. You know, my family, I mean, we're, we're busy. We're busy. M- myself, my wife, even though my wife's retired and she's not working like a career job, she's super busy. She's always doing something. She's doing something for the church, doing some, you know, she's doing something for our family. And, and we're got, we got different schedules. You know, I'm a lay pastor, so I'm, it's not like I'm sitting in that office. You know what I mean? I work a normal job and I study, you know, whatever and, and husband, father, all that, you know, along with that. And, you know, a while ago, the Lord laid on my heart, no matter what goes on, like everybody's eating at the dinner table. <laughs> That's the one meal that me and my family actually have together because breakfast time, like I told you all before, I got to get up super early so I can have time with the Lord. So I'm up at five, do my thing out the house by 730 with my son. You know, um, obviously I'm gone for the day, so I'm not having lunch with them. But when it comes to dinner time, it's like we're at the table. We're at the table, ain't no devices, ain't no phones. It's like, no, we need to just chill. We need to enjoy this time and our company with one another at the dinner table. You see, it's amen. It's important. This is how for, for us, this is how we safeguard one way that we safeguard our family and that we can enjoy one another's company and spend time with each other. I was just telling somebody the other day, it's like my kids are growing up so quick. It's happening so quick. And it's going to, and by the time you know, they're going to be, they're going to be out the house and they're going to be, you know, Lord willing, if he tarry, they're going to get married. And then well, wow, I don't want to deal with that. Daddy going to have a shotgun <laughs> at the wedding. My daughter was talking about, oh, I'm going to, no, you're not doing, you're four years old. You would not talk about that, you know, but it's like, it makes you think and it's like, okay, well, how can I safeguard my family? How can I have influence while I'm, while I still have that position and that authority, you know, in their lives as, as, as young people for me as their father. And it's like at the dinner table. So we, 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 we do that. We stay at the dinner table. You see, it's also very sad that some people don't enjoy what they do for a living. A recent poll showed globally that almost half of the employees in the world love their jobs. They really like them. Uh, Three out of ten are fairly satisfied. Nine percent are displeased and six percent absolutely hate their jobs. You see, it may not seem like a big deal, but half the people in the world don't like what they do. Half the people in the world do not like their jobs. You see, but in light of what the Bible says, it's a very telling sign of what's going on in the hearts of people around the world. Because verse 18 in our text this morning specifically tells us it is good and fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. So there's something off in us. If if we're not enjoying what we do, I remember my mom told me a long time when I was a youngster, she said, you know, one of the keys is, uh, you know, find something you like to do and find somebody to pay you for it, (laughs) you know. And, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, through all these twists and turns in life, I actually kind of that kind of stumbled upon that. I, I enjoy my job. I love what I do. I love working with autistic adults. And um, I just love, I love soul work. You know, I can't be, I can't be behind, um, you know, in a cubicle. And that's not to knock anybody that does that, that's into that, that can do that really good, that can number crunch and data, you know, database jobs. Hey, everybody has a different forte. Everybody has a different skill set. But I know for me, I wouldn't pan out like that. And so I'm grateful that I am in the position that I'm in um, at my job that I do during the day. 
The scripture doesn't say, if you have your dream job, eat and drink and find enjoyment in all your toil. It says, whatever you do to find enjoyment. You see, in whatever God has given you as your lot in life, you are called and I am called to enjoy it. When we realize that every single bit of our enjoyment comes from God actually giving us the ability to enjoy, we will then be able to enjoy whatever he has allowed us to have. That's the key is to understand it comes from him. If we're trying to enjoy things and we cut him out and say, no, I'm going to, but I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) You're not going to enjoy it very much. You really won't. You see, the reality is this. Ultimately, Yahweh himself is our enjoyment. He is it. He is it. It's not even the Bible study, you know, because sometimes we pride ourselves. Oh, bro, I read three chapters today and da 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 da. And oh, bro, I got this three point sermon. And that's not it. That's all mechanical. Yes, the, yes, of course. I'm the, I would never say the word of God doesn't have his place. Of course, we, you know, the word, the, the Lord holds his word over everything. His name over everything. But, but, but for us as, as followers of Christ, it's about him. It's about our relationship. It's about Jesus Christ, the means to get back to Father God. It's about our relationship with the triune Godhead. That is what the heart of it is. That is our enjoyment. And he, that's, that's what the Bible means when let him be our portion. Let him be your portion because that means he's going to fulfill you in everything that goes on in your life, no matter your circumstances. So many times we're stuck on circumstances. Oh, bro, I'm super happy. Why, bro? Because my circumstances are good. Oh, man, I'm super bummed out. Why? Because my circumstances are not ideal. (laughs) The reality is ultimately God himself will give you himself as your enjoyment no matter where you fall in life as long as you keep your eyes fixed on Christ. You see, when you and I learn to enjoy our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and he truly becomes our portion, the source of all of our hope and joy, then you and I will be able to enjoy our work no matter what we do for a living. (laughs) That's what it is. It truly is. You see, Psalm chapter 43, verse four tells us, then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. There's that word. David said, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lure, oh God, my God. So he's saying, man, straight up, I'm going to I'm going to go to the altar and you are the God of my exceeding joy. And I'm going to praise you through song and praise because you are my God. He didn't say what you gave me. He didn't say what you've done for me. He didn't say where you've placed me. He said the fact that you gave me the spiritual eyes to see in my innermost being who you are. And I'm acknowledging that you're so great. And because you gave me the understanding that you're so great, I'm going to acknowledge you and you are my exceeding joy. Do you you see that church? Do you see how the whole paradigm shifts off of us to him when we truly let him in? It no longer becomes about us. When we come into this building, we should come with a heart of praise and sacrifice to the Lord. It's not about just hearing the word. It's first and foremost, are you right coming into the house of God? You see, because many times we get a twisted church and we think, oh, I'm going to get my word today. 
Yeah, that's part of it. But do you come in with a heart of praise and thanksgiving to God? That's what the whole, you know, I know we don't do a lot of worship songs. You know what I'm saying? I know some churches, they go an hour. And that's okay. They go an hour before they get into the word. Maybe we'll do it next week. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, your heart should be prepared before you even hear those songs. And you come in with a heart of praise and thanksgiving. And I know some mornings are harder than others. I didn't say be perfect. But even if you... Burnt the eggs, got in the fight with your husband, what whoopty whoop whoop, got a flat tire. You still should be coming in here with praise on your lips and thanksgiving in your heart. And that and that comes from the proper perspective of recognizing who God is and the fact that irregardless, irregardless is not correct. I learned that years ago. Regardless of the circumstance, he deserves praise and adoration. Amen. The second main point is this. Only God can give you the gift to enjoy your toil in this life. You see, this is where some don't understand how things actually work. These individuals think, if I make a boatload of money, I'll sure be happy. But again, that's not always the case. And this is never, I never bash rich people. Because there are many faithful, good, God-fearing, wealthy, rich people. And there are many people that are poor, broke, and they are despicable because they envy and, and strive to have money so bad. So please don't ever take this as I'm ever bashing on rich people. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. Many people think if they make all kind of money that they're going to be happy. And the reality is it's not normally the case and it's never the case for true lasting enjoyment. You can get your rocks off for a while off of making a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the reality is sin is appealing, right? And, and, and the idea of, excuse me, being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, is appealing. Because it gives you the false sense that you're in control and that you can do whatever you want. That, that, that was the prodigal son. He's like, give me my inheritance. <laughs> I'm taking it all and I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go rip and run in the streets. I'm going to go hang out at parties. I'm going to get with these women. I'm going to drink and do my thing. And then what happened? He was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I'm poor. I'm, I'm over here. Eat, I want to eat the pig food. I need to go back to my dad, man. This is not what I should be doing. So you, you will have fun for a while, but that fun will not last. It's not, it's not true lasting enjoyment. It's, it's momentary fun. It's circumstantial fun. It's not joy. It's not the joy of the Lord. And that's what we want, church. We want the joy of the Lord. Only Yahweh can grant you the enjoyment of all you have worked for in this life. Only he can grant you the gift to enjoy your lot in this life. And that enjoyment doesn't come from simply working hard to make money. Because in reality, there's plenty of people on this planet that work very hard. And yet they do not enjoy their toil in this life. They're hard workers. There's plenty of hard workers that are unsaved. They work their butts off. They break their back. They blood, sweat, tear goes into what they do. You know, the will is a very strong thing. That's why God gave us a will. Many people will themselves to do a whole lot of stuff. It's not biblical. It's not right with God, but they will it. And see, that church, that's why you got to know your word. That's why you got to know the word of God. You got to get that word of God so deep down in you so that you're able to discern the Holy Spirit from a false spirit, from a demonic spirit. Because many people think just because somebody got all this and that and they got their track record and this and that and placards and blah, 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 that this is legit. That's not, that does not necessarily mean anything at all. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a side note. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'll say it for the sake of saying it. 
Y'all seen these on both sides. They got the lights. <laughs> and uh, last week, Matthew, he's the, you know, one of the main dudes from the other church we ran from. He's, oh, man, you know, I, did, you, did you enjoy the lights? And I'm like, bro, I don't even know how to work the lights, man. He said, oh, the colors change, this and that. And I was like, oh, okay. He showed me last week. I was like, I did it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it next week. <laughs> and then I came in this morning. I'm like tinkering. I'm like, Kalos, man, tell me if the lights are changing. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm pressing every other button back there. Man, ain't nothing working. And then finally, the Lord, did just, he just laid it on my heart. I mean, I hear an audible voice, but he laid it on my heart. He's like, Keefing, stop. You don't need these lights. You, know, you don't need these lights. You're giving, you're giving the people my word. And I'm not knocking the other church. All I'm saying, it's not a light show. It's not a light. It's not about all that. It's about the word and what the word. And, 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 when you, and my whole point is, if you know the word and you got the word deep down in you and it resonates in your innermost being, then you're going to be able to have your spiritual antennas up and to be able to, to discern unclean spirits from the Holy Spirit whenever whoever comes across your path. And you're going to be able to know. But if you're not in the word and if you don't got the word deep down in you, you may be hoodwinked. And thinking this person's legit. And it's like they are not legit at all. So know your word. Know the word of God so that you're able to discern. Amen. This is the gift of those who call upon Jesus Christ who will receive the enjoyment for all their toil. They do not regret the past. They do not grieve over the past of whatever they've done or have not done. And they don't worry about the future. There's a contentment within them because their portion is the Lord. They live in thankfulness that God has been good and met their daily needs on whatever social level he has given them. Philippians chapter four, verse four through seven tells us rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what we want. <laughs> That's what we want. We, we, we want the surpassing understanding of who Christ is to guard our hearts and everything in Christ Jesus. It is the gift of rejoicing in the Lord always that allows the believers in Christ Jesus to enjoy their toil in life. Amen. All right. The third main point is this. Being occupied with the joy of the Lord is a direct result of gratitude to him for all he has done for you. Being occupied, being filled with. Because the scripture talks about you're basically, I'm bad paraphrase, but you know, you're not tripping off the days you live because your, your, your days are so filled with the joy of the Lord. It's like, it is what it is. You're like, man, I asked Mark this morning. I said, how you doing, brother? Or he asked me, how you doing? I said, man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed beyond our dessert. He said, I said, how you doing? He said, same. I said, yeah, I believe it. I said, yeah, I believe it. That's a Christian life. We should, that should be our response. You should recognize that you're blessed and that your countenance is, is, is lifted up, not in pride, but your countenance is lifted up because you recognize who you serve. You recognize what you're redeemed from. You recognize all these these mini micro blessings that are actually big, gigantic miracles that keep happening on and on in your life. And it's like, man, I'm blessed, man. I got the joy of the Lord, man. I, I'm, I got peace. 
You know, I got peace like a river in my soul. Why do you think they wrote that song, man? They wrote those words because whoever wrote those, those, that song, they really knew the Lord. And they're like, man, I got peace. And I can guarantee you they probably were in a super difficult circumstance when they wrote that song. It wasn't like, oh, man, I'm just chilling and I ain't got no problems, no enemies around me, no difficulties, no struggles. It's probably poverty, probably all kind of hardship. Daniel, you probably know who wrote that song and probably know when it was written. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it, it was a difficult time. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't just all, you know, roses and, and peaches and, and everything was fine. There you go. See, so, um, you know, we, we, we want to have this joy of the Lord, but it's a direct result of, of having gratitude for who he is and for all he's done for us. You see, whether people are searching for the ideal job, the ideal spouse, the ideal neighborhood to live in, the ideal college to go to, what people are truly seeking after is joy. You see, everyone on the planet Earth wants to be happy. No, nobody lives this life and wants to be miserable. Nobody does. Even Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, he wanted to be happy. He, his, 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 his happiness was just misguided. He, he thought it was in hoarding and, and counting up gold coins and, and, you know, being rude to, you know, you know, uh, you know his, his workers. But, but no, Ebenezer Scrooge, he wanted to be happy too. The problem is too many people are searching for joy in all the wrong places. Many people think if they could just make a little bit more money, marry someone who's a little bit younger, a little bit prettier, a little bit more handsome, a little bit more muscles, uh, uh, if, if I could just earn another degree, and if I could get more initials after my name, uh, if I could just get another promotion, then I'll actually be happy. That I'll finally arrive. That, that, I, that I will have made it. Many people think in this way, but you see many times, even when you get what you want in this life, you come to realize that it truly doesn't satisfy. Former NFL quarterback Jack Kemp is among many players who have come to realize that being at the top of the sports world didn't satisfy the deep longing desires of his soul. You can check out the audio uh, about his, his interview. It was on um, Family Life Today, and it was called What Makes a Man. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great little piece, and he just kind of goes in depth, you know, about you know, his time in the NFL, and his father was an NFL quarterback, and, you know, all the different things. And it's like, you know, he, he had mentioned, or the, the host had mentioned, well, you know, you were an NFL quarterback. He said, but yeah, I wasn't satisfied because I wasn't a starter. And then it was like, well, you know, you weren't a starter, but you're an NFL quarterback. And he's like, what, what happened if you would have been a starter? He's all, well, I wouldn't have been satisfied because I'm not I'm a starter, but I want to win a Super Bowl. You see what I'm talking about? That, that you're never satisfied. It's always more. And, and, and you know, uh, much love to Tom Brady, whatever. You know, he got seven Super Bowl rings. Um, the man's not satisfied. Pray for him. Pray for him that he gets saved. Pray for him that he will respond to the conviction upon his heart. Hopefully his conscience isn't so seared that he doesn't even recognize it. But pray that that man gets saved. Because you, go, you can go to the Hall of Fame and have your bust, you know, in Canton, Ohio. And, 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 and yeah, whatever, that's cool. You know, not knocking it, it is what it is. But that, that's not going to satisfy your soul. That's not going to satisfy the innermost part of who you are, your innermost being, who you are when all this is, is, is rotted away and all you're left with is the essence of who you really are. That bust in Canton is going to do nothing for you. 
Verse 20 tells us that if we are in right standing with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, He will literally cause joy to occupy our hearts all the days of our lives. Do do you understand that, church? If you are right with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, there is only one way to the Father. The Father is the ends. The means is Christ. Narrow is the gate. Christ is the gate. If you're right with God the Father through Christ, God the Father is going to impart to you joy every day of your life. Man, that's amazing, man. Every day of your life, you will have the opportunity to experience joy on a supernatural level. Simply because what God has done for you, how he blesses you. He said, if you evil men... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do I know how to give good gifts to you? They just don't come in the way that we think. You know, it's not going to come in Mickey Mouse. not going to come wrapped in a bow. They're supernatural gifts, church. It, has nothing. it may manifest itself sometimes in the physical, but it's not about that. It's about what you can't see. Ooh, it's what you can't see. But it makes all the difference in the world in here in who you really are, and then it comes out in a supernatural way in how you treat people. You basically just love on people. Dude, I'm a super not nice person (laughs) apart from Christ. I'm a super selfish person, and I think we could all say that about ourselves. But it's Christ in us that makes us tolerable, and then we begin to love people. We begin to integrate ourselves with all people and love people. We don't tolerate sin, but we love people, and we love people enough to tell them the truth. That's a byproduct of having a right relationship with Father God through Jesus Christ. The joy abounding in our hearts cannot be produced by anything external. And this is the problem with people thinking, if I get another job, if I marry another person, if I, if I, if I have more, if I do this, if I do that, I'll be happy. No, 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 no. The external things do not make up what's inside to make you happy. It can't. It can never do that. It, it, it loses its luster so quick. Only the true and living God can, an impart, can impart to you the everlasting joy that we need in our lives. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 tells us, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I mean, he don't pull no punches. He says straight up. In your presence, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Fullness. Fullness. How many people in here today need fullness of joy? I got two hands up. I want fullness of joy. I want fullness of joy. I don't want to be on some little trinket of joy. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be on no tic-tac of joy. I'm trying to be overflowing with joy. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like it affects everybody else. I want to be like Peter, man. It's like you come upon my shadow, man. The Holy Spirit just come upon you, man. You know, that's real. That's what you want. That's what you should want. And then it's, it don't matter. It's like, bro, I'm living in an apartment. I ain't even tripping. I'm like, bro, I live in a palace, homie. You know, I got fresh running water. I got a bathroom upstairs, downstairs. You know what I mean? It's like there are people ain't even got no running water, man. They got no running water. They got to go with a cistern 30 miles and they get, get some water where they might get, to, uh, you know, some kind of disease. You know, but we over here, we got running water. You know, my wife says Milpitas tap water is great. I still say I don't drink. I don't like it. <laughs> but you know what? It's that perspective of, you know what, man, I grew up on this. It's cool. It's good to me. I'm not tripping. Well, I'm not drinking out the tap. We're going to use a filter, but still, you know, grateful for what we have. 
All right, let's let's chop down these verses now. We're going to go back 18, and, and I'll read through 20, and, and um, we're kind of not breaking it up today. It's kind of all one little thing. So once I read this um, portion of Scripture again, we'll just break them down. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot in life and rejoice in all his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. I love that. He says, I'm going to keep you occupied with joy in your heart. That's all you're going to be concerned with. Man, you're just joyous. You see, this is the reality, church. Life is not meaningless or joyless but rather joy is something that you and i have to choose we have to choose it and that's one of the biggest problems many people don't choose joy they're like bro you just choose to be miserable you just choose to be upset you choose to grit your teeth and scowl and look at people mean why why do you choose to be like that you can choose life. What, is, what does the Lord say? Man, today I, I, I give you blessing and cursing. Choose life that you may live life abundantly. Don't choose death. Don't, don't choose curses. Choose life. An example. You see, many times the Lord actually allows difficult circumstances in our lives to strengthen our faith in him. God allows it. People say, how come a good God allows X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 go on their rant, get on their soapbox and get on their high horse and start acting all pious and righteous? Why does a good God do that? Well, just let's take our example from Scripture. Just look at God's one and only Son. Immediately after Jesus Christ was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River, where did the Holy Spirit of God take him? Into the wilderness. Literally led him in the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. You know it's the Holy Spirit because a capital S into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That doesn't sound comfy and cozy to me. No, Father God allowed his son to be tempted and tested by Satan. Don't miss this church. Don't miss this. But because Jesus Christ understood his identity, he was not moved or shaken. He maintained the correct perspective on who he was and his situation. You see, many times you and I fall into the issues that we have simply because we have forgotten our identity You must realize if you are truly born again of God, your identity is in him. I I talked about this earlier on in the message. You are hidden in Christ Jesus for the day of redemption. That's who you are. You're no longer the former things that have passed. Old things have passed away. Some people have had abortions and they can't let it go. And they feel so bad because they've done X, Y, and Z. We've all done stuff that we're ashamed of. I've done stuff that I will, you know, unless I'm close to you, you'll never know. I've said it before many times. If you know what I've done in my past, you would not want me to be your pastor. You'd walk right out this room right now. You'd be like, I'm not getting down with that dude. 
But, I mean, the same thing. Alistair Begg says it great. If I knew what you did, I wouldn't want you to be in the congregation. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes both ways. But the reality is old things, have, are, they're, they're done. Your identity now is hidden in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation in Christ because of his redeeming work upon that cross. And nothing can ever change that. Do not forget your identity, church. In the same way, God has given us an allotment to steward. Whether big or small, we all have something. How we choose to enjoy what we have been given is completely up to us. Again, you can grumble and complain, or you can enjoy and be grateful for your lot in life. You, you, you choose. Are, are you irritated? Are you mad that you don't have more? Are you, man, this car, I don't like this 86 Corolla. Are you like, man, you know what? My putt-putt, we getting there. It's good on gas. You know what I mean? Hey, I got miles and it's going. This, this is a good car and it's going to keep me going. I mean, just be grateful. But the choice is completely up to you and completely up to me. Again, this Thursday, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving. It's an annual reminder to be grateful for all that you have. But again, it's a choice to be thankful. Are you going to be, whether your family's big or maybe you only got two people, maybe you only got one other person you're going to be with on Thanksgiving. Are you going to be grateful or are you going to be grumbling? The choice is up to you. Again, hoarding wealth is futile. It does you no good, and then you simply leave it behind. Just take a page from King Tut, old King Tutty. <laughs> he had all that gold, man, encased in all the millions of gold. And, man, they did not. We talked about this last week. It didn't go with him to the afterlife. He thought it was going to. And then they got a billion-dollar insurance policy on all that gold. In, in, in the Valley of Kings, though, there in northern Africa, real talk, that's what's going on. So it doesn't follow you. It stays here. Better to enjoy the benefits of what you earn. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And have a good time. You know, have a good time led by the Holy Spirit. This is the wisdom that was given to Solomon. He came to understand that it is good to eat and to drink and to enjoy oneself in all one's labor in the few years that he has or the individual has in life, which God has given him. In fact, the, in the, the product, enjoying the, the, the production of work is actually your reward. The, the production, and to enjoy your harvest, to enjoy your harvest of what you've toiled for. You, you sow seed, you want a harvest to come, you get to enjoy that harvest. That, that's, that's what you get to enjoy, and you should enjoy that. This, again, is such a blessing because there are so many people who work very hard but don't actually enjoy the fruit of their labor. But why? It is because you should never look for lasting satisfaction solely in your work. It honestly goes back to what we were just talking about, about perspective, having the proper biblical perspective. If our perspective on work is, I'm looking at my career to give me identity to define who I am, we will be very disappointed. Like, okay, like, I mean, I, I pastor this church, but my identity is not a pastor. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't meet people and say, oh, I'm Pastor Keefing. <laughs> I say I'm Keefing. <laughs> if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. That, that's my identity. You know, um, you know, it's, pastoring is something I do, just like being a husband is something I do, just like being a father is something I do. But, but those are not. That's not who I am. I work for the Morgan Autism Center, but that's not who I am. That's something I do. But I am a child of God. 
Know who you are in Christ, church. That way you don't have, uh, you know, uh, confusion about who your identity, what your identity is. We're in a culture right now where many people have an identity crisis. I'm talking about unsafe people. It's an identity crisis. Am am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I? I don't know. I just want to do my own thing. There doesn't even need to be anything. I'm just a human. I'm just, you know, I'm in this utopia if I can do whatever I want. I mean, it's it's sick. Know your identity, church. Do not let the devil strip away your identity in Jesus Christ. No matter what it costs you, it will cost you something. The Bible is clear that we will all drink from his cup of suffering at some point in our walk with the Lord. As Michelle was talking about earlier, man, be ready. You see what's going on in Israel. You see what's going on in the Middle East. You see what's going on with these other countries and what's happening. Things are only going to get worse before they get better. It is just the reality. But we know the end of the story that Christ is coming back. He's going to redeem his church. Israel's going to get saved and this whole thing's going to be over. We'll be in the new Jerusalem. So until then, get the word deep in you. Continue to reiterate to yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit, your identity in Christ and follow his lead. Live in obedience. Amen. Attempting to find lasting satisfaction in work is going to leave you feeling empty. Don't use the fruit of your labor, power, money, or prestige as a means to satisfaction. If you do, you'll be left with a void that you cannot fulfill. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 tells us plainly and clearly, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. The application is simply this. We need to come to a place in our lives where we realize only Jesus Christ can truly satisfy the desires deep within our souls. Jesus himself tells us clearly in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never be thirsty or shall never thirst. He is talking about our inner person, church, to be filled. To be satisfied in Christ means that we are not looking for the things of this world to give us purpose and meaning. But we allow Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit to indwell in us and give us everything we need to live a life of contentment. Enjoying first and foremost our relationship with him and second to enjoy people and the fruit of our labor. Psalm chapter 107 verse 9 tells us, For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Don't you want to be filled with good things? And you submit to him and you'll be fine. You see, it is those who truly put God first in their lives and love him simply for who he is, grateful for the fact that they have had their souls redeemed. It is these people who receive the gift to enjoy their labor, who are able to eat and drink and be merry. This is because they are not seeking the Lord for material blessings. So many times some people get caught up in that. Christians get caught up in that and, and, and they draw near to God, but they draw near to God and treat him like a, like a genie in the lamp, thinking that he's just going to gratify whatever desire they want. For authentic believers, young and old, rich and poor, it has never been about the stuff. It's never about material things. It's all about Jesus Christ and being connected to him at the deepest level of who we are. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You see, when we are genuine in our desire to know God, we will approach him in humility with a holy fear, with reverence and respect. And that's going to be our model. That's going to be our M.O. We will not seek out a relationship with him simply to try and fulfill our fleshly desires, treating him, again, like a genie in a lamp. Instead, we'll actually be honest enough 
to tell God to change the desires of our hearts. We'll be honest enough. We'll just be like, Lord, I don't want to long after these things. You know my heart. You know the things that I'm battling and that, you know. But Lord, my desire is to serve you. So, so take my desires, change my heart, change the desires of my heart and make them to be the desires of what you would have for me. That's when you know you're on the right path. So that they, your desires actually fall in line with his holiness and righteousness. Then Father God will impart to us the desires of our hearts. Because you can't say, I want a Lamborghini, Lord, so bad. Gosh, get one Lamborghini. <laughs> and think that all of a sudden he's going to bless you with a Lamborghini. I mean, he might. He, God, he can do whatever he wants. He knows if you're going to use it or abuse it. But, I, I mean, biblically, if it's biblical, I don't really see that as the case. I see it as, no, it's like, I know who I am, and, Lord, I, I want to be more like you. Change my heart, Lord. Make, make me more like you. <laughs> make me, help me to love people. I, I tell you all the time, I don't pray about money. I don't pray about money. I seek he first the kingdom of God, and everything else is added on to me and my family. I don't pray about money. I don't pray about all those things because all that stuff is taken care of when I just seek him for him. And he keeps on blessing beyond, I, beyond what I could ever imagine. And we're, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not rich. We're not poor. I, lo- I love, that, I love that, that portion of scripture that says, Lord, don't give me too much <laughs> that, that, I, that I forget about you. And don't give me too little that I'm going to go rob people and act a fool. I'm paraphrasing. But he basically says, just give me my allotment in life. Just give me my portion so that I can praise you and bless you all the days of my life. And that's where I'm at. That's where you want to be, church, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. He knows who he can give a lot to. He knows if he don't give me too much because I probably will lose it. <laughs> but he, he gives you what you need. He gives you what you can sustain Amen. to be a blessing to others. Amen. You see, Psalm chapter 34, verse 7 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that great? Delight yourself in him. Do you enjoy waking up and getting on your knees and praying to God every morning? Do you enjoy cracking open the book and saying, Lord, where do you want to take me today? Oh, you want to take me? You want to take me to Numbers chapter five? Oh, you want to take me to Leviticus? Ah. <laughs> do you do you enjoy that or, or do you dread it? Do, do you dread it? Yeah, because I'm trying to this is where I'm at with my children. I'm trying to teach my son like, man, enjoy it. It's not tedious. I get it because you're, you're eight years old, but it's like, man, you got to get to a point where you develop like a hunger and a thirst for God because the word is irrefutable. And he tells, he tells us right here, if you delight yourself in him, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. But if you're not delighting in him, if you're like, oh, this is a drudgery and bro, bro, I got to come here and I don't like the way they make the coffee. It's watery. And I don't, I, don't like the, I don't like this and I don't like that. And they don't got the lights on in the back. And it's too hot in here. And the preacher preached too long. It's like, bro, you're always complaining, man. If you're not delighting in the Lord, I don't think he's going to give you the desires of your heart, man. I'm just keeping it real. That's just not my words. That's what the scripture says. But when we truly delight in the Lord, we will be given every good gift from the Father which includes the gift of enjoying your lot in this life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 tells us, again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. I mean, he's got you. you got to trust that he's got you. You see, many times the thing is God wants us to move, and then he'll bless. It's like Abraham. He said, leave all your stuff. Get out of here. 
I'm not even going to tell you where to go. Just get out and I'm going to provide for you what you need. But we're like, Lord, can, can I just see a little bit? <laughs> just, can you just show me what I really need to do and then I'll serve you? Or it's like, Lord, can I really see the woman I'm going to marry or the man I'm going to marry? It's like, dude, just be faithful, man. Stop watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. Stop acting. Stop being sloppy. Stop being a sloppy agape and just get right with God. Get right with people. And then live your life faithfully. And then the Lord's going to bring somebody into your life. But we always are like doing the opposite. (laughs) I'm just keeping it real, church. We need to just walk and not have to see. It goes back to that. Are you walking by faith or by sight? You and I need to just be honoring God simply because it's the right thing to do, not because you're supposed to get something. That's why I love casting crowns. You know, when, when, when you get your crown in heaven, you know where it's going, right? You're not going to be rocking it like Biggie Smalls. <laughs> For those of y'all who know Biggie, you ain't going to be rocking it like Biggie. You know what I mean? You're going to cast that thing on the ground, man. You're going to give it to him because he's the only one that deserves it, not us. All I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you can come in, enter into my rest. That's, I just want to hear that. You know, Give me that, I'm going to fall out. I love Napoleon Coffin, Pastor Napoleon Coffin. He said, man, I'm just going to fall out. I hear that. I'm going to fall out. I ain't never been slain in the spirit. I'm going to be slain in the spirit on that day. I'm going to just fall out. Lord, man, Lord, thank you. You know, that's all. That, that's it. It's just honoring him and serving him. Again, that's being filled with his joy, filled with his desires, filled with his peace. And it permeates every fiber of your being. That's what you want. That's that's called being on fire for God. So today. If you're lacking peace and if you're not enjoying your labor, put God first in your life for reals. Truly repent of your sin and then God The God of all creation will forgive you and set you pointed in the right direction. He will put you back on the right road back to himself. First John chapter one, verse nine tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But you see, we can't let pride get in the way, church. If we need to be corrected, we must allow the Holy Spirit of God to come in and convict us. So that we may respond to that conviction and get right with him. Then and only then will we be in a position to truly receive God's blessing in our lives. This is where applying what we learn as we hear, read, and study the word of God is so important. You see, because God gave us the Holy Bible not merely for our information, but for our transformation. It's not about, I mean, what good does it do if we know all this stuff, but we don't apply none of it? If we don't apply it, it's like, I mean, what are you doing? It's like, bro, I know how to do the Betty Crocker cake. I got the instructions all right here. I got all my ingredients. Bro, I'm about to make the best chocolate marble cake you ever had in your life. But then we get to baking, and it's like, dude, you got the directions right there, and you just decide I'm going to wing it. I mean, that cake ain't going to come out good. Maybe it might come out good, but biblically speaking, if you don't imply the ingredients of the Bible to your life, it's futile. It's pointless. It makes no sense. It's not here just for our information. It's for our transformation so that we can be taken out of the realm of darkness and conform to the image of Jesus Christ. We are given the revelation of God so that we might see things as they actually are, not as the world system tries to display it. 
a question. You ever wonder why they took prayer and chapel out of school? Why they took the Ten Commandments out of our courthouses? And why they're trying to take crosses off of any public landmark? It's because Satan is trying his best to erase any remembrance of Jesus Christ and true biblical Christianity. Yes. Why? So current generations have no understanding of who they truly are. You know, there's so much misinformation in regards to what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's always been like that. But you got a whole generation, youngsters, they're getting all their cues from TikTok. And, 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 and this is crazy because I don't get my information from ABC, CNN, NBC. I don't get my news from them. I get my news from sources that are in Jerusalem. There's a specific person, Amir Safati, that I, that I, you know, I, I you know, listen and, and watch. He's, he's over there. He's from there. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's from Galilee. He goes to the States, too. He lives both places, but he's over there right now. I mean, he, they have footage. <laughs> They have footage of what the uh, of what Hamas did to the Palestinian people who because Israel when they when they went and I'm not making this it's not political it's actually scriptural but but I'm sharing this for a reason. Israel said okay we're we're taking over the northern part of Gaza we're going in get out of here go south. Go south because we know where Hamas is and we got to eradicate all this stuff because they got you know stuff under every other building. Basically what Hamas did is these people have white flags. Saying, I don't want to die. I'm walking to the south like like I'm told. They basically shot, killed men, women, and children. I don't care who you are. You're getting shot up. You're getting shot up. It wasn't until it wasn't until the Israeli forces occupied the northern part of Gaza that that people, civilians, were able to 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 walk safely from the north to the south. I literally saw. I literally saw the footage of just bodies dead on the ground, all kind of bodies dead on the ground. And that was because they were trying to kill anybody that would leave. And, and, and then this is what I'm talking about, church. This is Satan trying to eradicate and erase Jesus Christ from the current generation. So don't get your and, and, and the whole point was. So people are getting their news from TikTok and they're frustrated because, you know, they're seeing images of Palestinians dying and this and that. And, and unfortunately, there's always collateral damage and there's, there's casualties of war that happens. But they're all fighting for these pro-movements. I'm pro-Palestinian, so I'm going to march and I'm going to do this and that. You're misinformed. Do you know what Hamas is doing? Do you know what Hamas says about the, 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 the Jewish people? The, in their constitution, they basically say we will not rest until we exterminate Israel. <laughs> the ceasefire happened already on, uh, on October 7th. There was already a ceasefire and they breached it. And so Israel has to do what they have to do because there's no way to keep any peace there unless these savages are dealt with. Sorry, that was a side note, but I'm just telling you that's don't take your cues from TikTok. Don't take your cues from social media. Get in the word of God. The word of God will lead you to credible sources where you could really know what's yeah. really going on or else you're going to be like these people, just like BLM. When it's like, bro, these people are socialists behind it. They're not even about black people. Don't make it a race thing. It's, it's, it's everything. Everything's a movement now, whether it's LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, pro-Palestinian. Come on now. We, we got to wake up. Do you see how so many people are blinded? The veil of the hearts of their eyes, are, are they're veiled and they don't see the truth. But we, the church, need to shine brighter in the darkness and point people to Jesus Christ no matter what it costs us because we know the truth. Amen. Do not be ashamed to stand with Israel. Do not tuck tail because you want to fit in. 
you're not really a solid Christian if you don't believe you should support Israel. Come on now. Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. I digress. Let me get back on track. So the people that do not, so the people will have an identity crisis. Again, they, they, they just, they, they can't, they can't understand. But when you truly trust God in every season of your life, you'll be able to walk by faith and not by sight. You'll not let the circumstances dictate the trajectory of your life. Rather, you will look to the God of all creation who is far greater than your circumstances to guide you and sustain you. A great example of this, uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 2 through 3. And I'll, I'll be ending in a few minutes, all right? I know, I know it is what it is. I go, I go. Anyways, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell on the land in which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for you and... To you and your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. So the reality is this. God can prosper you. We're going back to this whole thing about money, okay, and not loving money. And maybe you don't have a lot of money. But 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 the Lord spoke to Isaac and Rebecca and said, you know what? I'm not going to do like Abraham and, and, and Sarah and say, uh, you got to go. I'm going to tell you stay. And the reality was the conditions were super bad in that land to be planting crops and to think that a harvest was going to come, you had to be out of your mind. But God said, if you stay and remain faithful, I will prosper you in all you do. I will prosper you in the land of Canaan. Okay. This is what happened. Isaac stayed. He planted the crops in the land and reaped a hundredfold that very same year. You can read it for yourself in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 through 13. Even though the conditions of the land made it nearly impossible to grow crops, Isaac prospered and enjoyed abundance, demonstrating that success is not determined by the conditions around us, but by God's blessing. This is such an important lesson for us to keep in mind, especially when you and I face challenging times. You see, because you and I can easily be discouraged when we hear a negative report, like all the stuff I just talked about, about what's going on in Israel and all the Arab nations wanting to destroy them, and worry about the future when life seems uncertain. But the application is this, church. We need to remember that our provisions come from God and God alone. He can prosper you and I in a desert and cause us to bear fruit during a famine. We need to place our trust exclusively in God. In his name we prosper and by his word we are blessed. Amen. Amen. You see, this again tells us why those who trust in the Lord are blessed with the gift to enjoy their labor and those who trust in their money live in spiritual darkness. Matthew chapter 16 verse 25 tells us, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I will conclude with looking at what the Bible tells us, what we should be rich in. Luke chapter 16 verse 11 tells us, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? Well, what are these true riches? What are these true riches that the Bible talks about? The true riches are eternal riches. Jesus told us not to lay up treasure for ourselves on earth where moth and rust and decay and thieves can break in and steal. Material riches are not true riches, but lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. You see, true riches are not measured by how much you have in your bank account but by how much you have deposited into your heavenly bank account. And God has an interesting way of how he accounts our deposits. It's not much, it's not how much we deposit, but what did it cost us and what were the motives of our hearts? 
You see, church, remember the widow's mite? Jesus said that she gave more than everybody. That mite was less than what a penny would be in our currency today. She gave more than all those men who gave gold, bags of gold. Oh, look at me. I got money. I'm praise the Lord, brother. She came with that little bit of money and it was more than they gave because of her heart. James chapter two, verse five says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? You see, the church of Laodicea was secure in itself saying we are rich. We have increased in wealth and in goods. We have need of nothing. But Jesus said to them, do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked? These are true riches to know your true identity is hidden in Christ Jesus and to enjoy sweet fellowship with him all the days of your life. To be able to recognize the truth, to see clearly, and to act upon that revelation. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the fact that you give us identity in you. That we find who we are in Christ. There's no other name under heaven which man can be saved. And you've graciously allowed us to receive that and to enjoy you richly. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for your power and your might. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. You are in full control of every circumstance and every situation that goes on from end and end to this earth. There's nothing that catches you off guard. There's nothing that catches you by surprise. Father, I pray that we would get an ounce of this deep within the depths of our soul and that we would find security alone in you. May we look to you for everything we need all the days of our lives. Father, I thank you and I praise you. It's in your son, Yeshua HaMashiach's name that I pray. Amen.